0: Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We're here to
1: share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. Guys, this is is a podcast. This is a podcast. What podcast is this, Laura? I think it might be dedicated to conversations. That's not your line. That's not your line. Just say the name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You have one job. (sighs) This is Mensana, Emotion for Mental Health. I'm Laura. (laughs) I'm Caitlin. (laughs) This is
0: a podcast dedicated to reducing mental health stigma in the legal industry through weekly
1: conversations. Are you sure? Are you sure you nailed that one? Uh, Yeah, I nail it every (laughs) week. Thank you. (laughs) I literally was thinking about if I could nail that every week. Like when I listen, obviously I listen, I feel like we both listen to this podcast like a thousand times before we were... Actually, hear it on the air. Yeah, but I was I was listening like to your voice um this morning yeah. since we're recording on Monday on Mental Health Monday, and I was like, I still don't know that line. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like actually ridiculous, especially because like I don't know. I was in theater for like. I oh, do 10, 12 years, something like that. Like, I'm quite used to yeah. memorizing oh, lines. Oh, you were a theater girl? I was. I was a weird horse girl and a weird theater oh, girl. Horse like horse girl? Yes. Oh, yeah. Come no. on. You can see it, like, a little bit, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I
0: guess I kind of can. Yeah. But it's okay. My it. cousin
1: is a horse girl, and I love her. <laughs> well, that's important. Yeah. I mean, horse girls deserve love as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I was basically a jock. So no, we were opposite. really, Oh yeah. We wouldn't have talked to each other in school. <laughs> we would like, not, for have. sure not. I would have
0: been like, oh, And you would have well, been we, like, Ugh. Well, but we probably would have been in like advanced classes together.
1: That's true, but I still think we would have been like, Ugh. <laughs> okay, so Lara hates me. <laughs> um anyway. That's because the jocks picked on the weird horse girls. Okay. So I was a nice jock. Were you? Yeah, because I was also getting bullied by everyone else.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I had to be nice to someone oh. or else I would have <sighs> had no friends.
1: <laughs> See from the weird horse girl. So, this week we thought we'd like introduce some more lighthearted material. Yeah, tonight today's gonna be really fun. <laughs> In I'm excited. The yeah, we just had we just came off of let's say three weeks of talking yeah. about mental health resources, and while I feel like it wasn't you know especially like mm, like heavy or traumatic or anything, still a lot of information. Just yeah. like information being poured at you guys, statistics. Etc. A lot to digest. Yeah, all good information. I really like. Or a episodes. lot to skip through if you were yeah. bored by it. Literally, you have almost a month worth of content. <laughs> you know to like skip through. You can just yeah. Either way those. we're switching it up for you Yeah so tonight you want to tell them what we're going to do Yeah okay uh, we're
0: going to do Just kind of like some fun trivia Back and forth it's going to be mostly A Q&A between both of us So that one you guys can learn a little bit more about Us because I think we have some new listeners Which is kind of cool like we're growing That's crazy um, And also some general mental health trivia So all of it's going to be on theme Of mental health both our personal questions And the general like mental Health questions but it is going to be just some fun trivia. Um, we have some questions laid out that we're going to ask each other so that we can learn more about this industry and also learn more about each other. Yeah. Game it's gonna be fun. Yeah. But first step always is updates on our journeys. What is
1: happening with you lately? Did you yeah. get stuck in any fields <laughs> this week? You know, I didn't have the opportunity to get stuck in a field this okay, week because okay. my therapist canceled on me twice. What? This week. Yeah. So again, I think mm. it's for like, mean it was for health reasons so like I can't okay. sit there and be like oh, oh so like she's as sick. grumpy yes okay. she had she was talking about some sort of infection or something she texted me about it which again I feel like that kind of further leans into my characterization of this person is more of like a friend versus yeah. like a professional kind of like doctor patient signed a release with her for her to text you <laughs> I have not. Um, Ooh, she needs a lawyer. Tell her to hit me. <sighs> Give her my card. Single providers, man. Yeah, <laughs> I should. Um, sorry, sorry. I'll let you talk. <laughs> just in the mood of, like, having fun. So I'm just, like, banter. Back You're and so forth. so fun. Bantering. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was disappointed. And I, like, even though I was, like, obviously she's having, like, some, like, you know, significant health issue. I don't I don't think that she, like, was lax about canceling with me or something. It was short notice both times. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It was disappointing, honestly. And I was kind of grumpy and, like, butthurt about it because yeah. I was like, come on. Like, I found a the therapist. And, like, the first one, the first session, which was intake, I can't be. I have all these assumptions and judgments, right? Yeah. And I'm, like, really trying to, like, abstain on them. And I never got a chance to, like, circle back up with her and, like, challenge those. And so that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, but I feel like
0: that would have given me a little bit of anxiety.
1: Yeah. And then I'm, and because I don't know her and this is like, you know, the first two weeks of our little relationship here. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obvi- I mean, I'm going to assume that any person's health problem like that is going to be a valid health problem. You know, yeah. I'm not going to assume like she just decided to not want my money right. that week, <laughs> like at, at minimum. Right. Like exactly. it makes sense. Like She's running a business. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it was, it was disappointing for sure. But that being said, my anxiety's still been good, but this week, as far as like mental health journey stuff, until <laughs> like last night and today, I just got zero sleep last night, and I've come to realize how that like really adversely affects me. Yeah. And usually, I feel like, or at least in the past, um, probably more so than today because hashtag this is almost thirty. Uh, it that I always link that up to like drinking. Like, drinking causing anxiety, which I still think it does. Like, hyper-anxiety right. kind of stuff. But, like, yeah, I just had, like, a difficult conversation last night, which kind of also spiraled my anxiety. And I just cu- I couldn't get to sleep for anything. Yeah. And I'm usually such a good sleeper. So, like, when I don't sleep, and I sleep a lot. <laughs> so, like, I, like, I always heavily sleep for, like, a long time at night. I've yeah. never had an issue sleeping, etc. So, it's kind of rare when this happens to me. And I aff- notice how much it affects me now. Yeah. And I woke up and... I don't know it wasn't today wasn't great it was really foggy but I have I did realize something I had a little like silver lining moment because at first I was like oh you know before when I was younger like I could I could get two hours of sleep and feel fully functional the next day but then I then I challenged that kind of narrative because I was like is that true or are you just like really really unaware of your body and your mental health then because yeah. I feel like that's more the case than some physiological change has manifested in my 29 year old body to make me intolerant fully of not getting a full like nine hours of sleep I think well, it's probably both but yeah I
0: was gonna say I don't know because I feel like I've been talking to, to someone else recently that sort of said the same thing that recently sleep has been really really hard but that like n- all, like nothing else has really changed so like
1: just like more sleep issues yeah this was for sure related to like the conversation that I had and like so I get what you're saying though like in general I haven't had that experience about like getting older and sleeping hard I sleep just as like soundly as a log as I I sleep yeah (laughs) oh my gosh when people talk about like being insomniacs or having sleep problems like it gives me so much anxiety (laughs) because I'm like what if I get like that and my sleep is perfect right now it freaks me out I have no
0: fear of me ever being like that because I sleep so well yeah like it's so i am the type of person that like if i want to take a nap i can lay down and fall asleep anywhere i can sleep on planes (laughs) The one place i can't sleep very well is in cars but other other than that i can sleep no matter what you're good to go yeah like every time i check in with my psychiatrist and i talk to her about my stratera because it's a little bit stimulating she's like any sleep issues i'm like no no (laughs) i'm dead i'm a dead person i'm fine with
1: sleep yeah yeah But that's frustrating It, it was it was frustrating and like everything was fine, but I did realize though, I don't, when I don't get any sleep, it puts me, because it just makes me, um, like the not getting sleep part makes me anxious, like in the moment. Yeah. Right. And then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'm anxious, not getting enough sleep predicting the next day is going to be an anxiety day for me yeah. because I didn't get enough sleep. So of course that happens yep. and it's fine. Like I can, I can like talk to myself and deal with that. It's annoying and frustrating because I'm like, well, just setting myself up for like one to two days of like yeah. stupidity. But I, I did sort of, like, gather a silver lining piece in it in that I made good choices regarding knowing that anxiety was going to happen. Because, okay. of course, when I'm spiraling, I tend to think about, like, okay, well, this, this issue is, is flaring. What else can I think about that could potentially be be bad like I immediately yeah. just started thinking about like oh my gosh like my dog is home alone right now I need to be with her oh. right now like what is something bad is happening like with no basis yeah. whatsoever but that's what happens when I spiral out. I'm kind of like what are all the 10 outstanding things in my mind that were neutral things or even things I was like happy about yeah how can I make them turn into like a really worrisome <sighs> thing and it's where my mind goes and I know that I know that about myself so yeah it was a silver lining in that I started going there and I was like you know what, we're not going to think about any of these things that we're neutral or vaguely worried about right now because my mind is already in this mode where I'm just inflating everything. It's just not a good... And I feel the same way, like, the next day after being tired, my brain immediately goes to, like, oh, well, let's think about every tiny minuscule thing that could go wrong with this thing you never... You know, that was, like, a neutral thing before. So I just stopped. I was like, you know what, I know I planned on thinking or talking about this upcoming issue. So I I had a, like a conversation um, scheduled talk with my friend on like endometriosis things. Okay. And I literally canceled it. Not because not even in an avoidant way, just because I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to have reduced capacity to think and talk about this. So I'm not going to because my brain's going to go to a really dumb place and yeah. I'm just going to cut it off at the helm. We're not going to go there. Oh, my God. Know? Did you do a self-assessment? I did do a self-assessment. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so proud. Of yeah, you. I totally did. It was, it was very much a self-assessment moment where I that's was like, awesome. let's just not let's not go through every single thing we have on our plates for tomorrow and, you know, catastrophize them. Yeah,
0: th- I think that's so important. I think that's so awesome. It that was you were nice. able to recognize what that was potentially going to do to you Mm -hmm. and be able to just like cut it off
1: and say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna set that right for another time right right and it's in am I'm glad that it didn't go to the point of like me needing to like distract myself away from it either yeah I I found that like I struck that like really nice balance of being like you know what we're not going to tackle every single potential problem yeah but we're also not going to be like oh I need to like go out to distract myself or drink to distract myself or do some of the things that I occasionally do when I'm like, whoa, I really don't want to think about that, you know? Yeah. So I struck a good balance and I like, awesome. Just went home and went to bed, you know? Oh so my gosh, that's good. Yeah. I'm it was a good you. moment for like a, a less like a subpar kind of like mind frame. Cool. So awesome. Yeah. What about your mental health update?
0: Um, so I met with my psychiatrist and we have decided that, uh, well, so I talked to her a little bit about like the depression that I'd been feeling over the last three weeks or so. And, We think it might be a little bit correlated to, um, my period and PMSing and potentially, uh, well, so, so basically we think it might be correlated with that because it does tend to get worse when my hormones are worse. And so I am about a week and a half away from getting my period again. Cause like this, this week I've been fine ever since I said last week that I wasn't feeling well, Mm -hmm. I was like better. So, and that was like a week after my period. So um, I talked with her about it and she said, like, let's see if it's tied to that. And if it is, then when then next month, when I get my period, if I start feeling really low again or like it's usually like a week before Mm -hmm, you get it, mm -hmm. um, you can actually there are some studies that show that just increasing your Lexapro dose for by by. one and a half not not by one and a half but taking one and a half times your normal dose Mm -hmm. just for like the week or two leading up to your period and during it has proven to be really really effective cool so I wouldn't necessarily need to increase my dose all the time I would just potentially be able to take like instead of taking my 10 milligrams I would take 15 for like a week and a half or whatever while I'm PMSing and get my period and then be able to go back down to 10 cool after that
1: and you don't have to like hop on another medication right. or like do any of that's st- not again not saying medication to right we right. go on another medication if you need it well but, but it's it is nice. a lot to
0: keep track of yeah. honestly like i have one of those pill organizers <laughs> now grandma because well because what i was finding is that <laughs> it's so bad but like this is how i know i have adhd <laughs> I would, like, go, I would, like, have my coffee, get in the shower, and, like, in my head, I would tell myself to take my Stratera before I go upstairs to shower, and then I would immediately not know if I did it or not. <laughs> and then I was, like, I don't think I took it, but I can't remember, so I'd have to wait a half hour and see if it, like, starts to kick in, oh and then gosh. it wouldn't, so I'd take it. One day, I was, like, no, I definitely don't think I took it, and I took it again, and then I had a panic attack that I, like, accidentally took double oh the dose, God. which didn't happen. Yeah. I felt fine, but... So now I have the pill <laughs> organizers. I
1: can tell if I've taken my freaking stratera or not. I mean, it's morning. smart. It's smart. That's like prevention. Preventative I steps. I know. It's just nice. funny. It's like, that do I funny. have ADHD? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I probably do. Oh, that's, um, good. that's like a good trick, though, because yeah. I often for for a time, um, both when I was on birth control years and years ago um, and after a few years after I stopped to. Um, I started feeling like that as well. And I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> you know, in our social discourse, we always talk about PMSing as like somebody's bitchy for a week. Yeah. And like my PMS or even I thought I had PMDD for a while, really? like premenstrual dysphoric disorder for yeah. you guys who don't know what that means, um, which is just kind of more extreme, like depression around like pms time and stuff. Yeah. But it was kind of ugly for a bit there. And it was always, always tied to my cycle. Yeah. Which... And I feel like, again, our society kind of like just sort of shrugs that off as like, oh, it's PMS. Everybody gets it. We all feel like that, et cetera. And it's like, okay, I have two thoughts about that. Even (laughs) if that's true, you can still help. You're still allowed to help yourself. Even if everybody collectively is feeling this exact same way, which is untrue. (laughs) But, you know, if it's not like just, you know, it's it's okay to feel that way and do nothing about it. But it's also okay to address it. Like it doesn't just have to be, oh, it's a. It's a woman's issue, so yeah. it doesn't matter, or everybody does it, so it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, so um, yeah, so I'm currently in the process of like assessing that. Mm-hmm. I'm I track my period, which I would recommend everyone doing because I think it's just it's helpful for self assessment. It's for sure. helpful for just like preparedness purposes yeah um I so love my tracker yeah
1: just saying and I'm a person who is not at risk for being pregnant at all yeah so like, I'm you not know, either it's like and it's I'm not interested in being pregnant yeah
0: but if you have an apple watch it's really easy also if you just have a phone the apple health app tracks your cycle for you so um I use that and I'm about to start PMSing and so I'm like currently on a little bit of like high alert to just keep track of myself Mm -hmm. and see how I'm feeling over the next few days if I start to feel like I'm slipping back into something then I'll readdress that if I feel good then I think there's different issues I need to discuss about potential like well I'm not gonna say but I'm concerned that it could be more of like a bipolar issue if Mm -hmm. it's like very distinct periods of time where I'm like very low and then high mm-hmm. because i learned recently that's what bipolar 2 is it's yeah like very low lows but your highs aren't like very high yeah so you don't have like the manic episodes yeah, you yeah. just get very depressed for a period of time and then you feel better and so
1: then it's cyclical yeah yeah and so kind I'm a little a scary thing to think about yeah
0: mm-hmm. I, I and all that really means is i would probably just need to um,
1: adjust my medication dose yeah. it, it doesn't like really affect anything like like a giant thing necessarily like like it sort of is what it is anyway like yeah (laughs) whether you have like a bipolar diagnosis or not you're still experiencing the exact same symptoms
0: yeah it just feels like now there's more to like figure out and think about but again this is a process this is quite literally a journey that's why we call it a journey so we'll see what happens yeah but yeah that's that's where I'm at just sort of at a uh, assessment period where I'm keeping track of how I'm feeling and how things are going, and gonna readdress with my psychiatrist in a couple weeks.
1: Cool. See how the next couple weeks go. I'm excited to hear about how it goes. Yeah. Both ways, it's gonna tell you information either way. Yeah. So I feel like you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like as
0: stressful as it can be to feel like I have something figured out, and then feel like I don't when something goes wrong again. I'm learning a lot about myself yeah. through this whole process, so For it's sure. good.
1: Um. Yeah, rather like not have your head in the sand. Yeah, either I way, good yeah. or bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. that was heavy. Back to game night. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. This is be yeah. a lighthearted I swear it's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> oh my God. We are going to force this to be fun.
0: I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: um
0: Okay. Is this our first book club yeah. episode?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do a little book club segment here. Book club.
0: Book club. We did have a couple people reach out and say they were excited about this. So I'm, I'm excited, excited about, about, it. about it. Yeah. yeah. So book club so um lara is not reading this book i am reading this book so the way i think we're going to do this going forward when we do these book club book club segments is i'm going to just kind of talk with her about what i've been reading in the book and what i find interesting at the same time that i'm talking to you all about it and then lara will be able to react in real time to like her thoughts on it and ask questions um so it's going to be a little different than a book club where like we're both reading the same thing at the same time but Think, I think it'll be
1: kind of a cool this conversation. This kind of makes sense, yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm still going to eventually read this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I am reading The Introverted Lawyer by Heidi K. Brown. Um, it is a book. I, I talked about this briefly last week, but I do just want to like give a more solid introduction to it. It is a book that goes very deeply into the differences between being an introverted lawyer and law student, a shy introverted and lawyer or law student, and a socially... Anxious lawyer or law student and then it actually what's really cool about it is it actually provides a seven-step journey toward authentically empowered advocacy so not only does it analyze these different personality traits or feelings that you might have it also gives you very clear steps for how to use those traits to your advantage in an industry that has historically been very geared toward extroverts and very much about like being loud and talking and you know being heard so um yeah so let's get into it so this week I read the first section which does a pretty deep dive uh into introverts and the uh traits of introverts and how they are most successful in certain environments um and so I thought it was pretty interesting. I think I talked about this last week too, but I think that I'm still pretty pretty confident that I am still an extroverted person because I do still talk out loud or think out loud when I'm analyzing problems. I do generally get um, energy from being in the same room as other people and, and participating in social events. Um, but but I have highlighted a couple of quotes that I think are, are kind of poignant and that might... Ro- might be relatable for some of you um one thing that i thought was really interesting is that this actually says that introverts and extroverts blood actually journeys along diverse brain highways
1: whoa yeah so metal right (laughs) that's cool it's really crazy so i'll read I this short like paragraph get like a get like an mri or something right? now. yeah i'll read this short
0: paragraph because i thought it was so interesting it says the introvert's blood w- so this was a study um an experiment by dr deborah johnson that contrasts introverts and extroverts blood movement a quote from the study the introvert's blood flowed to the parts of the brain involved with internal experiences like remembering solving problems and planning this pathway is long and complex the extrovert's blood flow to the areas <laughs> of the brain where visual, auditory, touch, and taste, excluding smell, sensory processing occurs. Their main pathway is short and less complicated. Which, like, when you think about being an introvert, right? Like, you you prefer quiet rooms. You prefer internal analysis before speaking out loud. You prefer, um, like, what, like, one thing that they talk about in this a little bit is rather than answering the phone every time it rings, you let your voicemail messages pile up and then schedule like a block in your calendar to, to respond to those voicemails so you can like gear yourself up to have that conversation. It's kind of interesting when you start to think about the fact that like those people's blood is literally taking longer to get to certain parts of the brain and to do that analysis than like my blood is as an extrovert, which is probably why it's much easier for me to just like, think out loud and talk out immediately when I start thinking
1: about something. Yeah. That's super interesting. Wow. I feel like now I have (laughs) a biological reason to be less frustrated with the introverted people in my life because, Oh man, I feel like that has been honestly kind of a point of contention in different relationships. I've had both romantic and otherwise, to where because I externally process everything immediately which I like about myself because I'm like I know how I feel quickly or I can at least offer an opinion about maybe that I'm not sure how I feel but I can express that immediately and that's such a prized thing in our profession and frankly like in a lot of like life things that are outside of the lawyering profession yep and I feel like I tend to get frustrated at my friends who like kind of sit there and don't say anything for a bit while they're thinking and I'm like I I don't understand what are you thinking are you are you just sitting there is nothing happening for you like and I've I've gotten frustrated several times now I can think of one time (laughs) that you and I were involved in that we're not gonna talk about (laughs) but I had to have what what time what no time (laughs) It was pre our engagement, okay. It was in the rocky, it was in the rocky years. Uh, anyway, We're to
0: each other now. <laughs> oh my god, I'm cutting all of this out. Uh, anyway,
1: anyway, um, I just remember getting frustrated at this friend, and she was just kind of like, I just couldn't like, ex- I just had to think about it for a while, yeah. and it wasn't like something that she, it wasn't a strategic decision. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be silent on this while I think about it. It was like. Literally, just her processing yeah. what was happening around her, and then 15 minutes later, or so she was able to like fully, articulately, beautifully yes. express her opinions about things. And I was like, "Where were you? <laughs> what happens, man?" <laughs> <laughs> but it's and it, it's it, it's interesting. That's yeah. an interesting thing. Wow, the blood moves differently. Yeah, I'm and I pretend like I didn't hear that and just continue <laughs> being frustrated with people. Just <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's just really interesting because it is so easy for us as extroverts. In case you guys out there don't know. Laura and I are both a extroverts. little a
1: little tiny bit. Yeah,
0: but it's so easy for us who can so easily start talking about something even before we have a fully formed thought, thought. Or opinion it's on it. It's forming as we go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, OK. So I highlighted this other part. So so a lot of what else they talk about in this section is introverts are very selective with words, which makes sense. Um, introverts resist interruption to others and themselves. They're naturally cautious in group meetings and brainstorming sessions. They crave reduced stimulation and quiet. And uh, uh, as I'm reading all of these things, I'm like, nope, 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 (laughs) nope. Not me, not me, not me. But I think that even if you're an extrovert, this book can be really helpful for you because it can help you understand the people in your life that are more introverted. I already feel, like, attacked. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So I thought that was really helpful. Um, One thing that I found was really, really relatable for me in particular was, um, so Heidi is a law professor, the author of this book is a law professor, and she writes how she was talking with one of her law students at one point who said um, he was so confused when he got to law school because all through college he had no anxiety, no performance issues, like was never afraid to speak in class, never afraid to talk in front of groups. All of these things that I really related to. Mm-hmm. But then when he got to law school, it was very different. Yeah. And I had the same exact experience. And I, th- I think most of it was probably attributed to anxiety. But he also said that the tenor of judgment and competition in the law classroom had reignited childhood shame linked to harsh criticism by coaches he worked with as an accomplished child athlete. Hmm. And, like, so I was not, like, a super accomplished child <laughs> athlete. <laughs> child prodigy over here? <laughs> no, but <laughs> most of my childhood was focused on sports. Like, I played soccer and basketball from the day I was and, – and Little League Baseball from the time I was six years old, like, all through uh, middle school. By the time I got to high sc- – or by the time I got to middle school, I was also playing volleyball – in high school, I was also play I was also running track. Like I did all, all the of things. the things. Yeah. yeah, and so I do think that I the law school classroom. Girls, <laughs> I, yeah, I made fun of horse girls. <laughs> um, but so I do think the law school classroom was very similar to situations where I didn't like certain coaches or like didn't feel like I got along with my teammates because they were judging me, or like, you know, uh, there were certain teams where people that were really good like didn't treat other people as well. And I was always, like, middle of the road. I was never the best, so I was never the worst.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But so that kind of really resonated with me because I was like, oh, like, that type of classroom environment was so different than anyone that I had ever been in, and it was more similar to those situations where I felt very, like, competitive and, like, everyone around me was judging me and, like, I wasn't doing as well as I should be. So I thought that was really interesting, too. um, And I think, again, like, that's not necessarily... Attributed to introversion because I'm Not an introvert and I don't think this The student was either but I do think that There were certain parts of law School that made me act more Introverted than I otherwise would Have yeah Um, so yeah So that's kind of like the the Breakdown of the introversion section I'm going to try to keep these kind of brief mm-hmm. I kind of <laughs> talked for a lot
1: there But that's like a really cool I don't know those are really cool snippets
0: Yeah though. right
1: try to keep a club to 10 minutes or something Like that yeah we should definitely set a time limit But Thank anyway
0: so Next week for those of you guys that are listening if you Want to read along I'm going to read the section on Shyness it starts on page 16 and it sort Of merges with social anxiety And goes just for a couple pages And then it starts talking about actual challenges that quiet law students in general and quiet lawyers face. So I'm going to start with the shyness section and probably read a little bit into the challenges section as well if you guys want to read along. I'll probably try to get up to like page 35, which is where chapter 3 starts. Um, So yeah cool more on this next week stay tuned woo woo. hope you guys like our book club and now it's already been 33 minutes <laughs> and
1: yeah we, we're still doing game night we're still doing yeah, game oh night. we're still doing game night okay let's get into some ga- games are really just questions do about you want to play a game what is what is that from i don't know is it tr- was it creepy i was, was trying to be creepy it sounded sexy versus creepy Ooh. But <laughs> okay <laughs> creepy sexy creepy sexy yeah, <laughs> my exactly. favorite brand of sexy yeah <laughs> are you going to kill me? I'm not sure. <laughs> My god.
0: <laughs> okay, so just some general questions mm-hmm. that I have for you, Lara. Oh boy,
1: okay. When is your birthday? Um, I'm a Gemini, obviously. That's not the question I asked. When is your birthday? <laughs> June 7th.
0: What types of mental health issues do Geminis <laughs> have?
1: I think Geminis are pretty universally um you either like hate Gemini's or you're just drawn to them and you like mm. hate that you're drawn to them. Mm. But we're just magnetic, you know, I can't, we can't really have it. for the twins, obviously. Yeah. Reputation for two-facedness. I do tend to feel like lots of multiple moods, et cetera. Yeah. Anyway, I, okay, I don't really actually believe in astrology, but I love talking about astrology. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. I have, <laughs> I have astrology tattoos. I am in it. Nice. I, I oh, I didn't know that. My ladies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right, that's right, that's right giant tattoo on my arm did you miss that one yeah I did (laughs) sorry sorry um okay so more
0: geared toward actual mental health yes what is the first time that you can pinpoint in your life where you remember having like your first adverse mental health symptom
1: oh yeah I wrote this one because I was just thinking about this the other day I might have also mentioned this already but I'll talk about it again I was thinking about this I thought about this a few years ago I think it was the first time I felt like (laughs) That I was different yeah. feeling than others. It was in first grade. I was literally, I think I was probably six because I'm young for my like class year. I suppose because, okay. you know, hashtag Gemini. <laughs> and I'm just gonna keep on bringing it up because <laughs> Geminis are inseparable. Yeah. Um, but we were doing like a spelling test. I remember it was spelling related and I love spelling. I like yeah. love words, love spelling, etc., even then. And I remember I I don't know, I was obsessed. Then and honestly, for a very long time, and I even still think about it about like being the first one done. Mm. That was like very, very important to me. I remember in this particular spelling test, and I think this was literally like a spelling pretest. This was not (laughs) okay for someone about six-year-olds. This has no (laughs) bearing on actual life. And obviously, as a six-year-old, your problems are a little bit different than like you know your perspective is shifted. Maybe maybe your spelling test is the most important thing for lots of six-year-olds. But I just remember knowing that this was a spelling pretest, knowing that it wasn't the actual test. Like, yeah. you know, when you're 6, you get the words first. You you practice a couple of times taking a test and then you do the test. And I remember on this pretest, I wasn't done first, and I was always done first. And I wasn't I didn't even get anything wrong. Like I was just not done first. I was not the first one to leap up out of my seat <laughs> and run to the teacher really aggressively. <laughs> like the future gunner I probably was. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just remember this being really devastating and panic-inducing, and I remember, like, crying in the middle of class, which I wouldn't really con- – I don't know. I feel like I was, like, an averagely emotional child. Like, I th- that didn't happen to me a lot, but mm-hmm. I distinctly remember being, like, nobody else is as fully panicked about this as me, and I knew mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Like, I remember thinking, like, it's – like, logically, this doesn't have any bearing, and I don't think i probably use those words about those thoughts, but – I just remember being like, I shouldn't feel this way about this. Yeah. And I remember my teacher being like, it's, it's okay. You got everything right. You weren't the first one. It has m- I don't know where that was instilled in me, yeah. but I, I think it was just a marker of like, oh, you don't know it unless you're the first one done mm. and et cetera. And like, think about that, how that kind of like, psyche also applies to introverts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, the, yeah. So I think that was the first time that I recognized that I was like, Anxious, And I obviously probably didn't put that word on it for like another decade or so. Right. But yeah, that was something that happened to me all the time, kind of in school. And I don't think I didn't have emotional breakdowns about it probably after that point. But yeah, it was pretty acute often. Yeah. How Aww. about how about you? Poor baby Lou. I know. It was rough. Rough times for the 6-year-old, right?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. wait, birthday first. Oh yeah, my birthday is April 15th. Obviously. I am an Aries. Obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fire sign. Fire
0: sign. Uh yeah, April 15th, tax day. Never <laughs> forget it. No one ever does. It's pretty great. Death and taxes. I have like a weird thing about birthdays. I don't know anything about astrology like if you told me your birthday and didn't say you were a Gemini I would have no idea that you were a Gemini but birthdays like mean something to me hmm. like when someone tells me their birthday I immediately try to connect them to like someone else's birthday in my life mm. or just like some date that has yeah. like had meaning to me I don't know why that's a nice that's a nice trait yeah I, I don't know why Because I feel like
1: I fully abandoned birthdays and yeah. I'm like oh you're an Aries obviously <laughs> you know that's 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 my fixation on it
0: <laughs> I don't know I, I well I kind of have like a weird thing about numbers anyway like okay numbers have always been weirdly important to me mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe it has to do with that. but Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. April 15th. I, I grew up thinking it was the best birthday ever, and I'm still pretty sure that it is. <laughs> so thank you,
1: everyone. Thank you. All right. Um, what about the first time yeah, yeah. in your life that you felt some sort of a negative mental health symptom uh, that you can remember? Yeah. So I, I
0: have briefly touched on this, I think, on the podcast before. When I was younger, I don't really remember how old I was, but I was Probably like eight to ten, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Probably closer to ten. I would have panic attacks every single night before going to bed about dying and space. Space. Yeah, everyone. Space is kind of that. scary, and it's so. My sister weird. has the same thing. It's so literally weird because the same thing. In my head, dying and space are like the same thing. <laughs> and whenever I like talk about them together, people are like, "Why space? Why dying?" And I'm like. How are they not the most terrifying (laughs) things you've ever thought about in your life? Yeah.
1: Every time I think about space, I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, so I was also so a few things
0: happen at the age of 10 in your life anyway. It's like normal for you to like have existential thoughts at that time, at least according to therapists I've talked to. But I was at the point where I was so obsessed with like dying and so scared of it that I would be like in the shower and I'd start breaking down, crying and shaking and like not be able to breathe. I would be laying down for bed at night and have to get like if I was at my dad's house, I'd have to get my dad to come lay with me. If I was at my mom's house, I'd have to get her to come lay with me because I was so obsessed and so terrified of the idea of like dying yeah. and just being nothing. And then I would think about space, and also I was in religious ed at the time, and I was trying to reconcile the fact that heaven was supposedly up in space, above <laughs> the world, but yeah. also space was up above the world. because uh. I mean, as like a ten-year-old, you would yeah. just think up, sure, right? Like right. obviously, and now know that it's not exactly how it works, but I was trying to reconcile those two things, and I d- it just it just didn't like make blew any your sense. your minds, yeah. yeah. I was like, if space is above the world how is heaven also up there and and how where's heaven? How do I get there?
1: That's like a lot to deal with as a 10 year old. Goodness gracious.
0: Simultaneously pretty childish, right? Because I was like confused about space versus heaven and how they could be in the same spot. But at the same time, it's also very existential and very like too much for my child brain to handle. And it was like panic attacks every single night for an extended period of time in my life. And Mm -hmm. like at the time, I knew that it wasn't normal and that it didn't feel good, but mental health treatment wasn't really a thing. So, th- so my parents were just kind of like helping me get through it yeah. versus like, like, like personally helping yeah. me get through it versus like, symptom
1: management kind yeah. of stuff and coping versus. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I just eventually like grew out of it kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a little while I was like very convinced that my house was haunted as a child. Um, so I definitely had these periods in my life where I was like, I became obsessed with, certain thoughts that I I could not stop thinking about to the point that I was like having panic attacks about them and like yeah. not able to sleep stuff like that which is why my first therapist thinks I have OCD and has had it for a long time a while more, of like, an th- thoughts, yeah, yeah, more yeah, of like yeah more of like intrusive thoughts versus like compulsions
1: yeah but yeah all right so I have a follow-up question based on what you said earlier and you were talking about um like how the grownups like in your life kind of handled that and handled like (laughs) your like obsession and kind of panic attacks Mm -hmm. over, over things like you said that maybe like, you know, eight to 10 year olds deal with like existential thoughts, but it seemed like, you know, if you're panic attacking for an extended period of time, that's probably not a typical reaction. Every single night. Yeah. Um, so how did like people in your family kind of discuss what you were going through? Because I feel like so often I mean the way you even just kind of like low-key dismiss like oh you know eight to ten year olds kind of like do this and like they helped me cope but they didn't really you know I guess do you think that do you wish they like more extensive attention was placed on the panic attacks like do you wish they took you to therapy like how was mental health discussed in your household growing up in regards to that and you know in other ways as well
0: Yeah. So my mom listens to this podcast. So (laughs) mom, if you're listening, do not like take this offensively because I know that you did everything you could. (laughs) I think that back then mental health in children was not something that people talked about as like something that could be cured or addressed through like seeing a doctor. Right. So both of my parents were very, very, very supportive In the sense that like every time I had a panic attack, they were like in bed with me until I felt better. My mom would like rub my forehead or rub my back. Mm -hmm. My dad would like lay with me and have like deep conversations with me. He would like listen to what I had to say and then like respond in a very adult way, which I thought was really cool because it showed me even then I thought about it this way. That he was like respecting my questions mm-hmm. and not just like brushing it as o- brushing it off as like a little kid, kid not knowing what she's talking about. Yeah, he and would he was like, like
1: validating you. Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And my mom was the same way. She would like listen to me talk about it, and she was much more of like the nurturing mother mm-hmm. side because she actually went through something similar when she was younger. Mm-hmm. So she was very much more just like, like um like comforting. Yeah, like comforting. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um. So there was never any like taking me to a therapist and there was never any talk as if it would as if it could actually be like a mental health issue it was more just like something that their kid was going through that they were helping as if it was like a scratch on my knee or like something like me getting in trouble at school like something like that versus like a medical issue that a doctor could address yeah um and so I don't necessarily wish that they had addressed it differently because I think at the time they both did exactly what they thought was right and yeah. they did the best they could. I wish society was different. Yeah. Then. Yeah. I wish that I internally knew that it was anxiety that I was feeling and not like the end of the f- world. Yeah, Because to me it felt like the end of the world. It felt terrifying. It felt like nothing made sense versus I think if I – because I was, I was, like, pretty mature and I could understand things. I, w- I spent the first eight and a half years of my life as an only child. My dad was single for most of that. And so for a lot of that, it was just my dad and I. So I was, like, very mature and very able to have, like, more mature conversations. So I think if there was a doctor someone telling me, like, this is anxiety, yeah, I would have been able... I mean, I wouldn't have been, like, great at dealing with it because sure. I was still a child. But I think I would have been able to... Recognize that more in myself and like deal with it better Mm -hmm. instead of having a complete emotional breakdown every single
1: night. Yeah. And not knowing what that was. Yeah. And And not
0: understanding why I couldn't get my brain to think about anything else except that and why I was literally so terrified that I was crying constantly. Yeah. And it wasn't even just at night. I just remember it the most at night because it was like every single night but there were several other times too like I said I'd be in the shower or like at school and it would just hit me and I'd be so scared yeah but the cool thing is my my little brother went through something similar I don't know if it was related to death or like what his issue was but my parents my mom and stepdad addressed it much more I don't want to say much more appropriately because like I said I think they did it the best they could yeah. but he was very. They recognized they it were much quick quicker. To yeah, that, yeah, they yeah. recognized it much quicker. They yeah. took him to a therapist. Mm-hmm. They took him to a psychiatrist. He's now medicated, but ultimately, it was like keeping him out of school. So they did what they they did it differently. So mm-hmm. I think they learned just as much as I did, like through that yeah. whole process, which is cool. Yeah. Um. That was a very long-winded answer, but oh I think it's an
1: important answer. Yeah. Though.
0: I mean, I think it's super relevant because, especially at our age, we didn't have the type of structure that they have right now for mental health treatment with children especially and it's still not perfect there's still a long way to go that's why we're here but I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate what about you though like what like when you were having those panic attacks at school or
1: like anxiety at school did your parents even know did you did you tell them about it um no so I mean I think that everybody just sort of characterized me as like Oh, just like kind of like an anxious kid and not anxious yeah. in the way of like oh you have anxiety just like oh she's like she's just you know she's just worried yeah <laughs> or like nervous or I wouldn't even call it nervous I just was like honestly very hell-bent on like perfectionist kind of thinking okay. and yeah. stuff and that would lead me to lots of anxiety I was like I mean I procrastinate now but the way I procrastinated then was even more extreme I would like <laughs> I would I was never faulted for. I think we talked about this before. I was never yeah. like faulted like by grades or anything for my procrastination. I used to get up at like three o'clock in the morning and write every yes. essay I had, like just cra- crazy thing. Like, and not saying, I mean, that's also like teenager nonsense too, yeah, right? Like, like, you stay out all night and then you're like, I don't feel like writing essay. Yeah. Getting up at three o'clock in the morning. Well, and I think
0: the worst part about it was I would do that and then I'd get a hundred. That's what I mean. So, so like, like,
1: I literally just kept on doing it because I was like, well, it's working for me. Yeah. You know, I had I had no yeah. reason not to do that. Right. Like, I didn't get punished for it, so it's fine. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think my – similarly, I think my parents were also products of the time. Yeah. Um. So – but I, I like the way – I think that was, like, really nicely put because I also think that, like, my mom and dad were supportive and that they would, you know, be very comforting and talk yeah. to me when I would go through different um anxiety episodes and stuff. So – and again, I don't think that necessarily the solution – Even today is to like knee jerk throw your kids into therapy if they they have anxiety over a math test or something like that, Um, but I do like that that is one consideration parents can think about now yeah. because it's talked about as like an option like right. maybe we like think about our kid and we think oh okay so we know that eight to ten year olds kind of have existential issues yeah if it turns into a panic attack every night where my kid's not sleeping and they're missing school because they're getting no sleep yeah then maybe it's t- you know they yeah. can make those judgment calls better I think than I mean they I did even, for me yeah I mean I don't even know if it was covered by health insurance back then I like, don't know I doubt I might not it have was been. And it for sure, I assume, and obviously, like, we weren't, we were not parents, and we weren't parents living then. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I feel like the mental health kid thing, like you said, probably wasn't as much of a thing. Yeah. Or, you know, only in, like, really extreme cases. Yeah. The same way that mental health was talked about back then, you know, like, if you were talking about mental health, you were talking about somebody, like, in a psych ward or something. Yeah. So, um, obviously... Especially if you're doing well in school, kids are doing well in school, et cetera. like there's no what why would you take your kid to a therapist? Also, there is no flip way we could have afforded that. So like yeah, same. <laughs> even there's if no that wasn't yeah, th- even if that was a thing. but I mean, otherwise, mental health in my household. <laughs> I remember my sister when she was like in middle school or high school. and my sister is um for sure more type B than I am, so I think it manifested differently in her. But I remember her like, you know the she's five years younger than me so even the discourse between um you know when I graduated and she uh, graduated the mental health um conversation was a little bit different and I remember her talking to my mom about like different like anxiety or depression issues that she's had and my mom you know bless her heart just being like oh you're fine like everybody has that because you know she's dealt with lots of that and she's she's just been conditioned to think that that was normal and it's kind of like 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 you were talking about um, at like Christmas and stuff like people just kind of be like, oh, isn't that isn't that normal? Like, aren't these things like normal? And it's like, well, (laughs) sure. And that one out of five Americans has a mental health issue. It's normal. But like, no, not necessarily (laughs) normal. And the fact like you should not seek treatment under any circumstance because I went through it and I didn't get mental health treatment so deal with it like this weird hazing kind of mentality and not that like parents like intend to I don't think my mother was intending to haze <laughs> my sister and kind of I mean honestly being a bit dismissive about that kind of stuff um but I don't know it's all education I was yeah. actually talking with my mom today about <laughs> my I was still talking about my lack of sleep literally <laughs> all day because it felt so oppressive the whole yeah. day and she was like she kind of she was like yeah well I feel like when your brain's foggy then you feel ang- anxiety about like not being productive and then it just turns into this whole cyclical thing and I was like whoa am I having a conversation with you on mental health things because I don't know it was kind of a productive conversation and like yeah her before would have never really spoken yeah. like that and my dad is and my dad is um bipolar one oh. and ptsd he has ptsd as well um he's mm-hmm. like a vietnam war vet so but he's even done it was a very very interesting experience growing up with him which i think <laughs> fed up right nicely into the perfect storm of some of the <laughs> like different things that i've experienced growing up but um i don't know like now he is in like a pts group for vietnam vets and stuff that he really likes and finds meaning from um i don't know that it's like can't quite tell if it's helped like calm some of his like more aggressive mental health symptoms and his like explosions frankly I think it probably has but um I think that he feels better about it anyway yeah I think one of the difficulties is that our
0: parents probably dealt with their own mental health issues that like if they couldn't even figure those out at the time like how were they supposed to help oh, us yeah. figure it out and they did like honestly all things considered I think they did it sounds like your parents just yeah. like mine did the best that they could yeah yeah, yeah. and, and I think they still did a good job yeah like it's yeah, not for sure.
1: it's and it's not even one of those things where it's like oh you know their products of their time they did what they could with what they had like I, I think they did a good job yeah considering the tools that they had you know so. so do
0: you think that some parts of that environment for you led to like certain stigma misconceptions that you had like some of the myths that we know now that exist in the industry do you think that like you grew up with some of them because of this environment, or because of like your general environment growing up,
1: yeah. Definitely. And if so, what were they? Yeah, so I mean, I feel like we were just sort of socialized to be like, oh, this is it's normal to feel this way and act this way, yeah. And then when which is which is fine to say that it's like normal to have mental health symptoms because it is, it's normal to have mental health symptoms for sure, but I think it's like it's like a weird catch 22 situation because when it's normalized in that way, you Lose that self-assessment piece entirely. Mm -hmm. I never thought again about it because I was like, "Oh, it's normal. Get over it." And then I think that feeling honestly increased, like when I was in like higher academic situations, like in into law school, because everybody around me was also like, "Oh, this is normal. We're all like neurotic and high achieving and a little bit, you know, on the verge of always having a panic attack if something just a little bit goes wrong." And obviously, that's a really hyperbolic explanation, but um, yeah, I. I don't mm, I don't love like the normalization of it Mm -hmm. I for sure think that fed into a lot of my stigma I had about both myself and others and the way people like cope with things and define themselves and I feel like people I was I don't know just thinking about people who identified as like depressed or like anxious in high school or something I was like I immediately was like oh for sure can't identify with those people who are identifying as depressed or anxious like they must have some severe issues or something like that's what I sort of thought I just thought like if you felt those symptoms enough to define yourself as like a depressed person or an anxious person I thought that they were like worlds away from anything that I was doing
0: yeah I really thought that people that were depressed were just sad and weak and like Mm -hmm. not able to deal with it and of course now I feel terrible for even thinking that but like at the time that was just what I had grown up thinking and Mm -hmm. believing and had never been told anything different. So I was like, Oh, depressed. Like, Oh, you mean you're sad? Like,
1: are you sad about a thing? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Like, okay, I've been sad too. Whatever. Right. And part of it, I will just be very honest about is that I personally, my home life in some situations was very unstable and very, like traumatic at times to the extent that I thought I have actual serious terrible things happening you are fine oh yeah I thought about that too you're rich you live in the rich part of town like I don't think there's anything wrong with you like come live at my house for a night and then tell me how sad you are (laughs) right so and of course all of that is stigma, all of that is misconception, all of that is the fact that, like, I didn't have certain opportunities, I didn't have the understanding that a lot of people had, other people had about mental health at the time, so now, like, looking back on that, I realize the error in my ways, but it just, at the time, like, for sure, I think that my environment growing up, just society in general, my home life, Really contributed to a lot of the the stigma and the misconceptions that I had about mental health in general. Yeah, and I'm so glad sure. that we have come so far, and now we have this podcast, and we can yeah. help other people like learn how much we've learned. Yeah, and I also we're learning along the
1: way, which is awesome. We too. are. I mean, I still catch myself even sometimes being like, "Oh, did you have a rough childhood? Was it hard for you?" I know. So let's yeah, let's swap stories. Why don't <laughs> we? You know, like let's compare traumas. Do yeah. you want to? Which is just a ridiculous. Trauma's relative, everybody. Yes, like I think that's trauma a doesn't other It is another episode coming yeah. up. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Stay uh, tuned while we talk about trauma. Right. Uh, okay, so that's a lot about us. I, I do want to do some just like general mental health trivia. Um, we might like skip homework this week <laughs> because I think this stuff is is a little bit more important. This episode's going kind of long. But no homework. No homework. You're Ooh, welcome. That'll be so fun. Uh, so I want to talk about a couple myths that may be sort of out there not necessarily myths but maybe like misconceptions or things we want to clear up one of which is do you have to see a psychiatrist to be prescribed mental health medication so you all have talked or heard me talk a lot about my visits with my psychiatrist and how she prescribes me both my stratera and my lexapro for my adhd and my depression and anxiety and i want to be very clear and let everyone know that you do not need to see a psychiatrist to be prescribed mental health medication any md or do that has gone to medical school or nurse practitioner that has training in psychiatry or physician assistant that has a dea license to prescribe medications can prescribe you mental health medications so i could go to my pcp my primary care physician And tell them about symptoms that I'm having. And if they, I mean, there are certain professional standards and obligations that do come into play. Like, someone that's prescribing you a medication should probably know what that medication is for. And what it does. And what the side effects are. But they do not have to be a psychiatrist. Like, labeled a psychiatrist in order to prescribe mental health medications. Um, And and that's issues solved. Yeah, exactly. And that's really important because on a lot of health insurance plans, psychiatrists are considered specialists, which a lot of times have a higher copay or and or need a referral in order for you to even get the service covered. Seeing your primary care physician almost never is an additional charge. You may have a copay, but other than that, it's not going to be considered a specialist even if they are prescribing you those mental health medications. So, If you think that you need medication, but you don't have access to a psychiatrist, go to your primary care physician. If they don't have the means to prescribe you medication, if they don't feel like knowledgeable enough, they are obligated to refer you to someone that is. So if you have more questions about that, let us know. But I really wanted to clear that up.
1: Yeah, that's really important, especially because I was one of those people for a very long time who was like, oh, I could never even consider medication because I can't afford seeing a specialist and you don't have to do that. Yep, exactly. Cheap and easy. My favorite words. Yay. Um, another myth I wanted to talk about just because I feel like I've been hearing this a lot lately, randomly is like depression is a natural part of the aging process. Yeah. I hear this, especially from like the older people in my yep. life. And I'm always like, it's <laughs> not a thing guys. No. Like, and I'm sure, I mean, I feel like our kind of audience is a little bit younger. So y'all probably don't have, or I hope you don't have this kind of mindset because that's, I mean, that's a depressing thought in itself. Let's be honest. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's a terrible thought. Um, But I'm, I'm sure you have encountered or will encounter people who sort of feel this way. And it's kind of more of that same normalization that cuts off self assessment at the helm. Yep. Um, just thinking that, you know, oh, it's just, you know, part of life and there's nothing you can do about it might as well deal with it because everybody is, um, you know, older adults do experience depression, obviously, but they need the same amount of support as yeah, everybody treatable. else. It's still treatable. You know, all old do- all dogs can, le- can learn new tricks like yep. you can go get medication. There is no physiological difference. There are no statistics to support that everybody just gets depressed as they age. Yep. I mean, obviously, as time goes on, we as humans tend to pick up like more baggage along the way. That yeah, can you might experience life. more trauma sure, or whatever. We just it's get older. and th- yeah. But like that outlook... I, I see it, I hear about it all the time and it drives me nuts. And I just wanna let y'all know that there are there's nothing to back that up at all. Full myth.
0: Yeah, and I think it's all part of that like, well, we went through it, so you have to go through right. it or you'll be fine because we made it through that stage. And like I've heard that too from adult uh, adults in my life. I guess we're technically adults. No. Older for sure adults not. in my life. Yeah. By that I mean adults that are older than me have said, you know, well, When I was your age, my anxiety, you know, did spike at that time. But I got through it. And you just need to work out more and you'll be fine. And it's like, that may be true. I don't doubt that your anxiety was bad. Got better. And -hmm. got better. Yeah. But for me, I have the means to get treatment. I also want to get treatment like i don't want to just deal with it even
1: if it's like a natural let's just assume it's a natural life phase that happens to everybody which is untrue but let's just say that that's true yeah it doesn't cut you off from making it better for yourself in whatever way that is maybe that's working out maybe that's doing nothing maybe that's seeking treatment maybe that's seeking medication yep literally do whatever you want it's your it's your freaking life like your yeah. friggin' life. It's your freaking life. Yes, it's the title of the episode. There it is. <laughs> it's your freaking life.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but I think I think that's that's really important. It's not like a natural part of the aging process no. that you just have to deal with. You can get treatment, and you should if you want to. Do you want to do some pop culture? Let's do some pop culture. Okay. Who knows this is gonna be? I'm scared. Well, I have the answers in my hand, so I'm gonna ask you <laughs> all these questions. Oh, oh boy. And will see if you know them. Okay. Okay, so these are just pop culture mental health trivia questions that I found on a website called the Mental Health Professionals Network. It's called Mental Health Trivia. It's pretty fun. Sounds legit. Yeah, so topic one is film. I'm going to pick a couple of these. Oh, no. Okay.
1: You know I don't, o- like, watch TV or movies, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Me
0: either, but I'm going to pick out the most Like, really popular ones? ones. Okay. In 2001, Russell Crowe stars in A Beautiful Mind. The movie is a biographical drama film based on the life of John Nash, a mathematical savant who is faced with constant challenges due to his condition. What is his mental health
1: condition? I haven't seen it. Oh my. I know what Jesus. it is. But okay, so if they're if they're labeling savant, I assume it's autism? What? I don't know. So I've only ever heard of savant in the context of like of, autism. of the autism spectrum, yeah. I it's have Schizophrenia. No. So you can be a schizophrenic savant. Is savant a word that applies to like, I'm gonna let's let's look it up. Yeah, I think savant
0: is just a word. I think my understanding of savant is someone who um uh, someone who oh my god, what is the word? It's
1: a learned person, especially a distinguished scientist. That's not that's not the definition I need right now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so I think our understanding of savant is someone who portrays as not
1: super smart. Okay. And but actually children, can, is. Yes. In in like ways that maybe aren't as recognized by yes. like society. So um someone with serious mental impairment displays a spectacular island of genius. Yes. Is the way that psych today identifies it. Yes. So yeah, I believe that's All right. I learned something. I've only really I only have ever heard of that term in relation to the autism spectrum. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. Hit me with another one since I'm doing so
0: well. (laughs) Okay. In the classic movie Rain Man starring Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Autism. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Wow. You're like so smart. I'm so smart, guys. (laughs)
1: It's it's the Gemini in me, honestly. In case anyone out there wants to know what the question actually was.
0: In the classic (laughs) movie Rain Man, starring Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise, what disorder is Hoffman's character Raymond living with? Autism. Autism. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, you're one and one. (laughs) In 2012, actor Bradley Cooper stars in the movie Silver Linings Playbook. In this movie, Cooper's character Pat struggles managing his relationships due to his emotional outbursts. What disorder does Pat become labeled with in this movie?
1: I actually have seen this movie, but I don't remember. <laughs> we also talked about it the other, the other day. Really? And I told I you. I told the you answer. my brain was foggy. I thought we talked about I didn't realize you talked about silver lining. I literally oh, chose this see. question because I thought you were gonna get it out. <laughs> oh This is God. this is what I'm saying. My brain is foggy. I need Fair to enough. what 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 is that? The answer is bipolar disorder. Okay. I was gonna say that. Emotional so, outbursts. Okay. Hint, hint. Okay. Um, I want to just make our like audience feel better about not getting these. So I know I am failing. Oh, this
0: is an Australian company. (laughs) Because like the next question, the next section is general knowledge. All questions based on Australian statistics. Yeah, probably not going to get any of those. How (laughs) many Australians (laughs) per year will experience mental illness? Is it one in three, one in five, 50 percent or 80 percent?
1: I'm going to say one in five because that's the U.S. statistics. Correct. Okay. Yep. You are so smart again. Oh, gosh.
0: Okay. Phobias. Uh-huh. What is acousticophobia?
1: Acousticophobia? Okay. A sound-related, I assume? Revered noise. Fear, fear of noise. Cool. Cool. Fear Klep- of, like, loud noise? and Noise in general? Life noise? It
0: just says noise. Okay. What is kleptophobia?
1: Klepto, meaning, like, stealing klepto? So, you're scared of... Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Like so oh, scared of something like m- maybe being robbed uh, or somebody like <laughs> feeling that that from like stealing things from you? I don't know. It just has fear of stealing.
0: <laughs> I'm like,
1: really scared of robbing a store. Is that what that is? <laughs> I don't know, but it interesting. Could be. Okay. Not okay. to minimize you kleptophobics out there. Yeah. No. I don't I just I'm Let us know. What are you kleptophobic? Let us know. Yeah. Okay.
0: This is my favorite one. Omphalophobia. Um, fa- um, um, Spell it. <laughs> can you use it in a sentence, please? <laughs> o M P H A L
1: O P H O B I A. My Latin is spelling me. Belly buttons. Fear of belly buttons? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, belly buttons are weird. I can see it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Say it again. <laughs> I'm going to use that word all the time. I'm Omphalophobia.
0: Okay. Weird. These, lo- these questions are just not as great as I thought they would be. <laughs> but, uh, okay, one more. In 1997, Jack Nicholson found himself acrobatically dodging cracks in the ground, endlessly flicking light switches, and visiting his favorite diner every day to sit in his regular booth. In this film titled As Good As It Gets, which disorder was Nicholson's character Melvin living with?
1: I don't think I've seen it, but it sounds like you OCD. <laughs> yeah, it just is OCD. I, it doesn't actually sound like <laughs> you, but actually, it sounds like more of like my tendencies. Yeah, I was I gonna say it kind of sounds tendencies. like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. All right. So that's just some general pop wow. culture. You guys and mental are welcome for trivia. that riveting.
1: Yeah. Account of umphilophobia. Umphalophobia. Umph- oh, umphilophobia. At least that's what I'm going with. Umphalic phobia Oh, God. All right. We have two minutes
0: before (laughs) we have to make a phone call because we have another super awesome guest coming on next week. Yes. So, happy um, pills. Happy pills. Happy pills. My happy pill for this week is that I'm feeling better. I. Game. I'm not feeling as depressed and also I'm going to visit one of my best friends in the whole world this weekend in North Carolina and Yay. I'm bringing my dog we both have golden doodles they're meeting for the first time stop. they're like the same size I'm very excited are they both black no she's like the other one's like an actual golden cooper doodle. <laughs> is like a tannish coppery color you have to take pictures he's very cute i'm gonna take so many
1: photos (laughs) (laughs) it's very exciting yeah what's your happy pill uh my happy pill is that i've learned not to be such a neurotic like anxiety obsessed person in my wheel throwing class so i'm taking like a wheel throwing pottery class and (laughs) the first class i feel like did not go as well because i was surrounded by like a bunch of like very very tight b like artistic people who like didn't weren't as like obsessed with like time and materials as I was and like producing producing good products of like clay and bowls and I'm like Laura you're literally doing this for fun like maybe I was getting so disheartened and freaked out about like (laughs) like, when people like weren't in the places that they should have been on time and the instruction and not going with the flow at all and after the first session and I left like feeling like very like aggrieved I was like okay are we going to do this for two months? You literally spent money to, like, have fun and learn this new skill. On this fun
0: class. Yes. I'm, like, <laughs> not
1: trying to be a potter or, some, you know, my, my living yeah. does not depend on this. I'm not gaining money from it or anything. So I was able to stop that. My happy pills that Good. I was able to, like, kind of cut loose. And I was talking with the instructor um, last night about it. And she was, like, the thing about pottery is that people who are, like, pretty type B and laid back tend to get more um the word she used wasn't neurotic. That's, like, my favorite word. But, like, more, like, precise and, like, care about things more and get a little bit more type A and elevated about things. And the type A people tend to, like, relax and stuff because you literally can't force this stuff. And it kind of forces you to, to like, play around with the clay and, like, try things because the learning curve is... I mean, you can start throwing things pretty immediately, but it's very easy to get frustrated. And type A's tend to be like, all right, it's all not going to be perfect so yeah. we're just gonna play with it so I was able to like play with it last night for the first time so that was exciting It was like cool just I don't have to like produce a bunch of bowls or mugs that I can use immediately for consumption yeah because yeah. I don't need to yeah who cares so yeah awesome. that's my happy plan. well I can't wait for you to make us mugs yes. that we can give away on the Instagram yes they're gonna be so great they're gonna look like lopsided ashtrays <laughs> but <laughs> Asht- other than <laughs> Astr- ashtrays, <laughs> ashtrays. <laughs>
0: okay Uh, on that note (laughs) we're done this episode episode is over (laughs) (laughs) sorry y'all no homework except make an ashtray okay (laughs) bye
1: self-care partners just a reminder to subscribe rate us and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and if you don't mind give us a follow on instagram
0: at emotion for mental health and like us on facebook if you want to participate in our conversation slide into our dms or shoot us an email at emotion for health at gmail.com talk, talk to you soon